Good morning again. Would you please turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5. I'm excited to be in Hebrews chapter 5. We've been working through Hebrews whenever I have the opportunity to preach. And obviously with what happened with Kendall's family this weekend, he wasn't able to be here. So I'm excited to get to look at Hebrews 5 with you because last time we did Hebrews 4. So we're just slowly making our way through the book of Hebrews and it's been really good. So we are going to read the Word of God and then we're going to dive right in. So I'm actually going to start in um, verse 14 of chapter 4 because it ties so well into today's uh, sermon about Christ and the great priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ and how he is our high priest. The writer of Hebrews, it's okay, it's just a, oh, that scared me though. (laughs) Whoa. The writer of Hebrews is going to go into great detail about how Christ is our great high priest. So hopefully that doesn't happen again. (laughs) So once again, chapter 4 Verse 14, we're going to start there, and we're going to read through all of chapter 5. And then we're going to pray, and then we're going to look at the Scriptures. So, let's start. This is the word of the Lord. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Chapter 5. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. In being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. 
you need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let's pray one more time. Lord God, we thank you so much for this incredible written revelation, God, that you have given us. God, we thank you so much for your word. It's infallible. It's inerrant, Lord God. It's the holy scriptures, Lord. We thank you that we have them. God, we ask that you would speak to us through your mighty word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And now we're going to slow it down and dive in a little deeper to Hebrews chapter 5. Starting once again back at verse 1. He's about to explain to us some details of the priesthood. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. And we know this. In the Old Testament, the priests would act on behalf of men in relation to God. So they would offer sacrifices to God for the sins of the people. And even for their own sins is what we see here. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins. So this is talking about the old priests because obviously Christ didn't have to offer sacrifices for his own sins because we know he is without sin, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but he was appointed by the one who said to him, by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So now it is talking about Christ. He's quoting here from Psalm 2-7, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And he's quoting Psalm 110, verse 4 right there. This is talking about Christ. So the writer of Hebrews is showing us how Christ is our great high priest. And just like the priests of the old covenant, they had to be chosen from among men, and they had to be appointed by God, so Christ was chosen from among men because of the incarnation. He was born of a woman. He was a man. But he was also chosen by God. He did not appoint himself to this. He was called of God to be our high priest. We're going to move on. Verse 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. What, what does that make us think of? When did Jesus in his life offer up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears? You know, I'm sure he probably did that more than once. But one, one thing for sure we would think of would be the Garden of Gethsemane before Christ went to the crucifixion. And one of the... Uh, Things we see in Hebrews is Hebrews talks a lot about the suffering of Christ and how he suffered perfectly for us and for our salvation. But before we move on to the rest of the chapter, I want us to look at that passage 
both passages. You can turn there if you would like. Luke chapter 22, verse 41. We're going to read Luke's account of Christ in the garden. Luke chapter 22, verse 41, if you, if you want to read it yourself. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him and being in agony. He prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. We see here that he says how Christ was in agony. His sweat became like drops of blood. Jesus was, he knew what he was about to go through. He knew the full amount of suffering that he was about to suffer for us on the cross. Matthew 26, verse 36 Matthew's account of Christ's prayer in the garden. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Even to death his soul was so sorrowful. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me. He, he, he asked God that even the cup of wrath that he was about to suffer would pass. But he said, not my will, but yet yours be done. And we know that Christ perfectly obeyed his father, unlike Adam. Because Adam didn't perfectly obey the law. Adam fell and brought sin to all. But Christ, because of what he's done, and he fulfilled all righteousness, and he obeyed the law perfectly. Because of what he did, we can now be made righteous in Christ. We're going to be in Hebrews 5, verse 8. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. I want to read a quick note from John MacArthur about how Christ suffered and how he was being made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation. John MacArthur, quote, What God did through the humiliation of Jesus Christ was perfectly consistent with his sovereign righteousness and holiness. Without Christ's humiliation and suffering, there could be no redemption. Without redemption, there could be no glorification. In his divine nature, Christ was already perfect. However, his human nature was perfected through obedience. So this verse doesn't mean that Christ wasn't perfect because we believe that he was God. This is talking about his human nature. His human nature suffered. So... We just have to be careful here, and that's why I wanted to read MacArthur's notes, because he's very careful to distinguish the two natures of Christ, including suffering in order that he might be an understanding high priest, an example for believers, and establish the perfect righteousness that would be imputed to us believers. 
Christ is the source. He's the initiator and he's the leader in regard to our salvation. He has led the way into heaven as our forerunner. <laughs> and it's clear here, because it says it so clearly right here in um, Hebrews 5.8, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. There is no other source of salvation. There's no other mediator. We know that also from 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Verse 10, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Once again, we see Christ was designated by God for this office to be our priest. And this is super, super clear that we do not need any other person to be saved. And we don't need any earthly priests. And this is why we, you know, have left the, you know, the Reformation, you know, we left the Reformation, they left the Catholic Church because of many disagreements. but this is definitely a huge one for me because they believe that there are still priests on the earth today. Pretty much exactly what Hebrews tells us, Christ does for us, they believe men do today. This says that they act on behalf of men to God, and Hebrews makes it so clear, we don't need anybody to do that but Christ. It's crystal clear in the Scriptures. Matthew Henry is one of my favorite commentators that I've been reading and learning from. And I want to read a pretty large portion of Matthew Henry's notes um, on this passage of Scripture, specifically just Christ and where it says in verse 7, in the days of his flesh, how he offered up prayers and supplications. We looked at, you know, the Garden of Gethsemane, one of the times that he prayed so passionately. But he just says a lot of things here (laughs) that really got me here. The prayers and supplications that Christ offered up were joined with strong cries and tears. Herein setting us an example, not only to pray, but to be fervent and inopportunate in prayer. This one really got me. How many dry prayers, how few wet ones do we offer up to God? I'm like, what? How few wet ones do we offer up to God? And obviously, I mean, you know, it's not like you need to be bawling your eyes out every time you pray. But what he's telling us is just look at Christ and look at the passion in his prayers. You know, even if it's a simple dinner table prayer, we can have genuine thankfulness for what Christ has provided for us. Not only physical needs, but even greater spiritual needs of salvation. Christ was heard in that he feared. How? Why, he was answered by present supports in and under his agonies. And in being carried well through death and delivered by, from it by a glorious resurrection. He was heard in that he feared. He had an awful sense of the wrath of God, of the weight of sin. His human nature was ready to sink under the heavy load and would have sunk had he been quite forsaken in point of help and comfort from God. And we saw that in the garden. It looked like his soul was ready to be crushed. He sweating drops of blood, just an agony about to take the sin 
of his people. But he was heard in this. He was supported under the agonies of death. He was carried through death, and there is no real deliverance from death, but to be carried well through it. We may have many recoveries from sickness, but we are never saved from death till we are carried well through it. And how just God's amazing providence, you know, just how many people are sick in our congregation today. You know, we may be recovered from sickness many times throughout this life, but you're never going to recover from death unless you have Christ. And you might wonder, well, how does all this suffering and the garden and the prayers of Christ and all this have to do with Hebrews? Well, it's showing so perfectly how he suffered for us perfectly and became our high priest. It's because it's tied into the priesthood of Christ. And this is the whole point, which we already said, but we're going to say again, he's the only way. He's the only high priest that we have. He's the only high priest that we need. He's the only high priest commanded in scriptures to follow. It's, it's incredible. And those that are thus saved from death will be fully delivered at last by a glorious resurrection, of which the resurrection of Christ was the earnest and first fruits. By these his sufferings he learned obedience. Though he was a son, here observe the privilege of Christ. He was a son, the only begotten of the Father. One would have thought this might have exempted him from suffering. You know, he's the son of God. He's the chosen one. Why? I mean, it's kind of a little bit of the mystery of the gospel. Like, why would God himself come and suffer? Like, if you were God, would you have created the world that way? Like, I think every human just thinks, I probably wouldn't have, but praise, the, praise God, excuse me, that we're not God. Because, like, we'd make a horrible God because we're obviously we're sinners and it's impossible for us to be God. But, like, praise God for his godliness, for his wisdom. He is God. That's what's so incredible. I mean, we can't comprehend. The point I'm just trying to make is we can't comprehend, like, it's so hard. Like, you know, you've studied Christ and the scriptures and the gospel your whole life, and it's still so hard to comprehend, like, how God himself would come in the incarnation of Christ Jesus and suffer for his people. If, I mean, it should bring all of us to um, a serious place of just repentance. And I love what he says at the end of this big paragraph, which is why we've been going through the whole thing. You know, one would have thought that maybe Christ would have been exempted from suffering, but he wasn't. And then he says, let none who are the children of God by adoption, which would be us, let none of us expect an absolute freedom from suffering. I mean, wow, like we as Christians, we are not exempt from suffering. And if anything, we should look to Christ, our great high priest, where Hebrews has told us multiple times how he suffered for us, and he's our example. So, you know, in this life, when you're caught in the middle of a situation of suffering, look to Christ. It's the only hope in those moments. And, you know, we live in America, so I mean, I'm not saying we don't suffer, but at the same time, look around the world. I think that helps me sometimes just to be thankful for what Christ has done for me, you know, because just, it just seems like there's always another Christian or another believer somewhere that's suffering a little more than me. And just to be grateful for what God's done in our lives. We're going to finish the chapter 5, verse 11. We're going to 
go to the last little portion of the chapter, which, you know, I don't know. He says a lot of strong words here. The writer of the Hebrews does. The writer of this book says a lot of strong words to the Hebrews in this next passage. And I've just, you know, I thought a lot about what does this mean for us. But let this be just a great call to go deeper in the Christian faith. And we're going to read about it. So verse 11, chapter 5. About this we have much to say. And it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I love that last part, to distinguish good from evil. Isn't it so true that the more that you grow in wisdom and knowledge of God, as God sanctifies you and makes you more like Him, you see more clearly good from evil. You have a greater conviction of sin, and that's, that's what we want as Christians. And we're going to read one more Matthew Henry on this point, because it's good. Matthew Henry, some people, instead of going forward in Christian knowledge, forget the very first principles that they had learned long ago. And indeed, those that are not improving under the means of grace will be losing. And he goes as far to say here, it's something to think about. He says, it is a sin and a shame for a person that is men for their age and standing in the church. So to be in the church for so many years, but yet to be children and babes in understanding. I like what he says here. Christ despises not his babes. How many times have you maybe heard the term like baby Christian? Like I don't, I don't like that term because it's like, I mean, I get the point, but it just, it can make people feel less than, you know. I would maybe articulate it more like this. You know, there's a Christian who's been a Christian for maybe a day. That's very true. If you've been saved for a day, you've been a Christian for a day. Well, Maybe the Christian who's been a Christian for 20 years might have a little more knowledge of the gospel than you. That's, that's perfectly logical to think about. So we're not despising these little babes in Christ. Christ despises not his babes. He has provided suitable food for them. It is good to be a babe in Christ. I mean, it would be great to be a babe in Christ because that means you made it. You know, <laughs> once, once you're saved and regenerated, you're, you're there. Praise God for his grace but not always to continue in that childish state. We should endeavor to pass the infant state. We should endeavor to pass the infant state. And that's my prayer for us today as we have looked at this great passage, as we've looked deep into Christ and how He's our priest. Man, let's... Let's desire to go deeper in our faith. Let's desire to go deeper in our wisdom and our knowledge of God. You know, some people can debate this issue, but it's pretty clear. You know, you can't go on a mountain hike and come out of the mountain with a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You can go into the mountains and, you know, see God's glory, see His creation, even be convicted that there is a God. But saving knowledge comes from hearing the Word of God. You must learn about Christ. 
That knowledge comes from the written revelation given to us. Let's, whoo, this is a big deal, you know? And so, as Christians, let's encourage one another to grow in our faith, to grow in the wisdom and knowledge of God. That we want to be dull of hearing, you know? And we're going to end today's sermon with more of the book of Hebrews. What we're going to do is, is we're going to take a quote from the book of Hebrews. We're going to look a little bit ahead. Because that's what I love about the book of Hebrews. It's building this big case of the great high priest Christ Jesus. So what we're going to read now is from Hebrews chapter 7. And it's going to just make complete sense of what we heard today. It's a long passage. So Hebrews chapter 7. I'm going to start with verse 11. Now if perfection, Hebrews 7, verse 11. Now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek? Isn't that what we just heard about today? You know, it's clear. Perfection wasn't attainable through the Levitical priesthood. So God gave us the Lord Jesus Christ we're going to go to verse 22, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. I think that's so, I think, I mean, I just, the, the, the priests of the old covenant, it says so clearly they were prevented from continuing their office from death. They died. They're humans. They're, they're nothing special. Only Christ is special. He's the one who died and was resurrected, you know? I just think this passage is such a great case of how no earthly person can compare to what Christ has done. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. And that forever, we've heard a lot today about Melchizedek when we come back in a few weeks, because I'm supposed to preach again in like, I think it's two or three weeks. I was scheduled for this sermon, but now we're going to keep moving to Hebrews chapter 6. But we're getting closer to this Melchizedek. And Hebrews is going to tell us all about Melchizedek and how Melchizedek and Christ, like it explains the priesthood of Christ. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever." Amen and amen. Christ has been made perfect forever. He is our great high priest. And let's grow in the wisdom and knowledge of God. So that's, that's what we need to do as Christians and believers. Let's keep growing in this great knowledge of Christ. Let's keep studying the Bible so we can have a greater faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our great high priest. And we're going to hear that again because Hebrews keeps telling us. <laughs> we're going to go even deeper. So uh, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for how clear your word is. And we thank you so much for sending 
the Lord Jesus, the God-man, to perfectly suffer in, in his human nature, Lord, that we would be able to be saved. Lord God, we thank you for the great gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, give us strength to grow in our wisdom um, and knowledge of God. And uh, we ask that you would bless this time of fellowship. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for all you've done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.